Um, we're going to be continuing our series this morning on James. We started, Lee kicked us off last week um, with a wonderful start on considering pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Today we're continuing on chapter 1 and we're going to be looking at verses 18 to 27. So if you've got your Bibles with you, do turn to James, which is very near the back, um, so, and it's just after Hebrews. And I'm going to be reading from the um, New International Version, um, verses 18 to 27. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that so, is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately, immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that your word teaches us, shows us, enables us to be all that we can be in you. And I just thank you for this wonderful passage that we have this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you will anoint the words I speak, that you will speak into the hearts of every single one of us this morning as we look to your word. And I pray that your grace and your strength and your wisdom will give us the direction and the impetus that we need to go forward throughout the days, weeks, months, and years to come. Amen. Wonderful. Okay, so here we are. 
still in the first chapter of James. And today, what I wanted to share with you, uh, many of the things I'd say I was still learning myself. I would say that this preach I prepared, I'm very much preaching to many of the things that I'm going through in my situations in my life at the moment. Here in this passage, we have some wonderful truths and treasures that I think also speak into many of the things that are going on around this nation, in this world, in the, perhaps the spiritual climate that we're experiencing at the moment. And I think this passage, I think, can give us confidence. I think it's going to give us some clarity in knowing how to react and how to um, outwork our Christian lives in all the things that are going on around us. And there are three, thing, three things that I want to look at. Firstly, the word. In this passage, James talks about the word of truth. He talks about the word planted in you in verse 21. I want to look at what is the word. How is this word planted in us? And what difference should that make to our Christian lives? Secondly, I want to look at what it means to listen. James encourages us in verse 19 to be quick to listen. What does that mean? Why is it so important to be quick to listen? And thirdly, I want us to look at going beyond listening. Why can't we just listen? What does it mean to not merely listen, but to act on what we hear. So first up then, let's look at the word. In the, um, the Gospel of John, we, we read about the word. The first, the first verse of the Gospel of John, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Then in verse 14, it says that this word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word referred to in John's gospel refers to Jesus Christ. God the Father sent Jesus, his son, on earth, to be on earth with his people. And this word, which is the logos in Greek, is the same word that James uses here in this passage. Our Heavenly Father sent Jesus as the Word that was in the beginning. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He sent Jesus to be on earth, to be dwell among us. And it's the same Word that's birthed through us, in us, um, as the Word of truth. We are born of this wonderful Word that is true. There's something very true about God, very trustworthy, very faithful, very dependable, something that doesn't change. The word of God doesn't change. He was the same in the beginning as he is today. He's the same tomorrow as he will be next year. He is faithful and he never changes. And as Christians, we have this new birth in Jesus. The word of truth dwells in our hearts there's something significant when we've made a step of faith to believe in Jesus Christ that we have the word of God dwelling in our hearts. 
It's like we have a passport of God's kingdom and in that passport is a visa that gets us into the kingdom of God and that can, visa is, can never be taken away. We have a stamp in our passport for the kingdom of heaven. Our inheritance as we trust in the word of God is an inheritance that will never, ever spoil, fade, disappear. It's, it's eternal. We are now born of God. His word is in you and me. That in Christ, our hearts have been awoken by this glorious love that Christ has shown to each one of us. That although there may be moments where we're still perhaps selfish, proud, arrogant, God still loves us and he's made a wonderful way for us through his word. There is an amazing grace available to every single one of us. That word has been birthed in our hearts and as we look to him, as we allow the birthing of that word, if we, as we accept that word planted in our hearts, then the amazing sense that who we are in God will hopefully and for me just burst forth. The revelation of Christ is such a wonderful thing to know. I was, as I was preparing for this, I was looking at um, it just when I got this point, I was just led to Matthew 13, um, where it talks about the kingdom of heaven. Is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The treasure of knowing Christ is the most amazing treasure that you could ever find. Do you know that? Is there a sense where you feel that you have given everything Because you know that you have the word of God in your hearts, that you know the wonderful salvation to what you've been called to. Salvation, um, Christ fulfills our greatest needs. He satisfies our longings. He makes us whole and clean before God. He calms and quiets our hearts. And he gives us a hope for the future. This is the word that dwells in us, in our hearts. When we receive Jesus Christ into our hearts, we receive the word of God. His seed of faith is planted in our hearts. And I would encourage you today, if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, then I would say don't go from here today without making that decision to follow him, to trust in him, because it would be the best decision you will have ever made. James then encourages us in verse 19 to be a people who are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He says, everyone, in verse 19... um, He says, everyone are to be quick to listen. And, you know, that's not just counsellors, although I'd imagine they're very good at it. It's not just the elders of the church 
Hopefully they're good at it as well. It's not just those that are good at um, good with people or good or compassionate people. James encourages here that everyone should be quick to listen. How easy do we find it to listen? Do we find it easy to listen to God? Do we hear God? How easy do we find it to listen to each other? To those that we know in our workplaces, our neighbours, those who don't know Christ. A research um, project was conducted in the US where a thousand adults were tested uh, with their listening comprehension. And there may be no surprise to you, but the findings found that women answered 66% of their questions correct. And do you think that men were higher or lower than that? Lower. Yes, they were significantly lower. They were 49%. Oh, that's not too bad, you might think. But women are known, perhaps, maybe too big a generalisation, but women um, were much better listeners than men. I know this very much personally. Over the years, I've not been a particularly good listener. Um, and the funny thing is, I don't know, there may be things in your life which might be like this, but I've always thought I was really good at listening um, until quite recently I realised I wasn't. Um, and it's something I'm getting better at, but um, not so good at. But if you've met my wife, Abby, she is an amazing listener. She is very good, and she will take... Um, a lot of time to listen and really do that very well. Now, what I want to do is just show you that there's, there can be a bit of a, a scale to listening. There can be people that are really rubbish at listening and they're just really not very good, and those that are excellent listeners. And you might be somewhere in the middle, and it might be at sometimes you're better listening um, than others. I mean, for example, if I've had a really long day and really tired, I am subsequently a worse listener um, than I am if I've had a nice, refreshing holiday. But James encourages us to be quick to listen. And I just wanted to do this with my two volunteers. So here we have Chicken Little. Now, Chicken Little, unfortunately, he is not a very good listener. Okay, so what Chicken Little does when somebody's talking to him He's always thinking what he can say next. So in his brain, he may look like he's listening, but there's something else going on in his mind. He's just waiting for them to finish before he can talk. And the other thing with Chicken Little, he is so, so busy. He's so, so busy that while the person's talking, he's so eager to get away that he doesn't listen because he's thinking in his head about what he needs to get done. The other thing that Chicken Little does is as the person's talking, he suddenly thinks, you know, hold on a minute, I don't agree with what they're saying. And so what he's doing in his head, he's thinking about the argument that he can then speak to the person about, which, is, um, which proves that he's right and the other person's wrong. The other thing about Chicken Little he starts to worry about what the other person thinks of him and what his opinion might be. 
So he stops focusing on what the other person's saying. So he's not listening because he's worried about what the person thinks of him. And then in the middle of the person talking, he starts looking at his watch. He starts to get a little bit bored and distracted. And he starts to look about the room because he's trying to find something else to capture his interests. He starts sitting a bit slumped. He starts folding his arms, showing little enthusiasm for what the person is saying. And then finally, he starts to finish the sentence of the person he's talking to. And if you're anything like me, I've done that and still do it occasionally. So he's not a particularly good listener. Are you, Chicken Little? No. Okay. Now, we have our um, Canadian deer. Now, a moose. There we are, moose. Canadian moose. Sorry about that. He, now, he, on the other hand, is superb at listening. He, on the other hand, is very quick to listen. And do you want to know how he's very quick to listen? Well, it's on the slide. But this is why he's a fabulous listener. When someone's talking, this is what our Canadian moose does. Bigfoot, his name is. When someone's talking, he gives them lots of time to finish what they are saying. So he keeps quiet. He gives lots of space for the person to talk. Lots of space. It's really important when you listen. This Bigfoot, he's not quick to correct the person. What he does, or she does, is he validates the person's feelings. He validates what the person is saying. What Bigfoot does, actually, which is another thing he does, he reflects what the person is saying. So when the person says something, he says it back to them, giving the person who's speaking an opportunity to correct what he thinks that they said. Now, this is a wonderfully powerful way of showing that you've really listened to what someone is saying. And Bigfoot, although you can't see them very well, he's very good at giving eye contact and looking people in the eye when he's listening to them. And it's wonderful. I'm getting a lot of eye contact as I talk to you. The only thing in Bigfoot's mind is what the other person is saying, and he's listening to them. So, contrasting the two types of listener. And as I say, you know, many of the things, I mean, Chicken Little is the worst listening in the whole world, but there might be elements of them you might relate to. And my challenge to us today is to ask ourselves the question, how good are we at listening? I was listening to a TED talk this week, and it said this, if, they said this, if you study the behavior of successful negotiators, you will find they listen far more than they talk. So I think James is absolutely right. Everyone should be good or quick to listen. So my last point on this is, can I encourage you, if you are a man and you are married, I can relate to this from my own experience. And can I encourage you to spend an evening this week, or even if it's just an hour, 
with your spouse, with a pen and paper, and listen to your wife. And if you're comfortable with it, make notes and you know, write down the accuracy of what they said rather than potentially, like most men, how to fix the problem. And I will guarantee, come back to me if it's not, but I guarantee it will be a huge blessing to your wife and to your marriage. If you're single here today, then can I encourage you to get together with a friend and do the same, maybe over a glass of wine. Listening is a real skill. If you want to demonstrate Christ-likeness to others, can I implore you to develop this skill of listening? Take time, let's take time to listen to each other. So James then goes on, we're not merely to listen, so listening is good, but there is more. Now I spoke earlier about the treasure in the field. In order for the man to get the treasure, he had to do one thing. What did he have to do? Anyone? He had to sell his stuff, that's right. He had to sell everything he had. He had to do something in order to obtain the treasure which was so, so great. Now, a question I've been asking myself as I've been preparing for this is, you know, actually, how much do I understand the total depth of the treasure that I have in Christ? that it then stimulates me to act into doing something in order to um, see the kingdom of God come. James says if we stay in this place of just listening, we deceive ourselves. That might seem quite harsh or quite sort of black and white, but it's true. And let's look at that in a little bit more detail. We make something to be true in our minds that isn't actually, actually true. If we just listen to the word of truth that is planted in us, that we are born of God, that we are Christians, if we're just accepting this word to be true, which, you know, I think we have, and I think many of us here are just, we've accepted that word that's been sown in our hearts, but do nothing with it, then I would say we don't get to discover the fullness of that treasure that's available through knowing Jesus Christ. I think there is a treasure that's obtainable as we act out, as we, are, uh, as we move beyond just listening and doing what the Word says. Verse 16 also says, which I haven't read from, but just before the passage that we've got here today, says, don't be deceived. And then it says, we see... Every good and perfect gift is from the Father. If you're a believer in Jesus, here today, God has put his word in your heart, but he's also put an array of gifts and strengths in you. Praise God. He's put an array of gifts and strengths in you, in every single one of you. You are God's chosen vessel for the kingdom of God to go out from this place into the communities around us. Hallelujah! Isn't that great? We are God's chosen vessels. We have got this treasure. 
might be in a jar of clay, but it's a treasure that as we trust and hope in Jesus Christ, we are the light of this nation, people. We are. We are the light of this nation because of this wonderful treasure that is put in our hearts. He has put a power in our hearts to be like him in the world in which we live. In fact, his very heartbeat is our heartbeat. His heart of compassion, his heart for justice, his heart for those who don't know him. We heard, we heard uh, last week in, in at the beginning of chapter 1 about um, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generous, generously to all without finding fault. He's put wisdom in our minds. And we just... We can ask him for wisdom, and it says here, he will give generously. Do you need wisdom? Do you need to know wisdom of how to outwork God's purpose for your life? Then ask, and he promises to speak and give. He is a God who speaks today, and he's listening. And I would encourage each and every one of us to listen to his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is here. His Holy Spirit wants, wants, wants to move in you and through you and, and work through the people of God. And as we hear God, as we step out in faith, we will know God will go with us. You, we will know the God who created the heavens of the earth, the God that led Abraham, the God that led Moses, the God that led every single man and woman of God through every generation wants to lead you. In this passage, James gives us this wonderful illustration of a man looking in a mirror. And whenever I've read this, I've always thought it was just a bit strange. You know, I've never looked in the mirror, walked away and thought, I might forget what I look like. But let's go back to that moment of looking in the mirror. What do you think of when you look in a mirror. Do you think, uh, yeah, I'm pretty good looking? Or do you think, my <laughs> first thing in the morning I looked in the mirror, I thought, I've got to look in the mirror. Just as, I thought, my word, gosh, my hair needs sorting out. You know, what do you think when you look in the mirror? I'm going a bit greyer now. That's one of my thoughts I have quite a lot of more recently. <laughs> There's something very significant about looking in a mirror and how we can make judgments of ourselves and how we see ourselves in the flesh. Whatever your thoughts are when you look in the mirror, those thoughts can very easily shape your identity. Looking in the mirror helps us conclude who we think we are. I know uh, Jonathan Conrad's been here um, last year and at times before, and he's spoken before to me personally, but also I think in groups where he would say he would stand in front of the mirror and speak the truth to himself over and over and over again. As believers in Christ, we are children of God, and we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. There's somebody here today with that on their t-shirt. It's a wonderful truth. Speak that over yourself as you look in the mirror. We can do all things through Christ 
But if we look in the mirror and we forget these things, then we're not going to behave in a way that deems these statements to be true. As James declares in this passage, we deceive ourselves. We forget what we look like. We forget who we are. James is encouraging us to look intently at who we are, that that would determine what we subsequently do. As we outwork God's purposes and plans, as we trust in the gifts and the strengths and the wisdom that he gives us, we will be blessed in what we do. We will be blessed in what we do. It says in verse 25, they will be blessed in what they do. Finally, what is it that we are to do? How are we actually to outwork this um, word planted in us? How are we to outwork it and do what James is encouraging us to do? And I think the first place it starts is in the heart. It is getting right with God whenever he exposes sin in your life or wrong attitudes or motives and humbly seeking to change and receive his forgiveness and freedom, growing in reliance and trust in him. God's word is in our hearts and God promises that we will find freedom. In verse 25, he gives freedom to those who look intently at the perfect law into Christ. Secondly, out of who you are in Christ, you take steps to care for those around you. You know, the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And James particularly points us in this passage to the poor to the orphans, to the widow, to those in distress. We know the saviour of the world. We know a hope, the hope of the world, which is Jesus Christ. We know him. He is the one in whom we put our trust. He is the answer to everything in the world. Caring for the poor is one of God's great mandates. Great. He has a heart greatest, greater than you can imagine for the poor. In Leviticus, right at the beginning of the Bible, it says in chapter 19, when you reap the harvest for your land, of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. There's something that is deep rooted in our heart that we get from God that we have this sense that we want to care for the poor. We want to care for those that are less fortunate, that are distressed. In Proverbs 31, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And those of you in this place where God has put the heart of compassion, the heart for justice, the heart for defending the poor, then there's something in you which just wells up and says, yes, that is what God's called me to. 
that is who I am. Then, of course, Jesus encourages us to care for the poor. In Luke 4, he stands up in the synagogue and reads from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. God has given us a mandate to use our good and perfect gifts to look at who we are and how we might in the power, strength and wisdom that he alone can give to act on the very word that's been birthed in our hearts, the very word that we've accepted and planted in us. It's not an act out of guilt or condemnation. If that's the motive, then you've forgotten what you look like in the mirror. It's an act out of the true heart and word that God has planted within us. It's an act out of the faith in the God who will provide as we step out in faith, as we push the door, as we dare to believe God is bigger than anything that this world or Satan would throw at us. So what does that look like for you? What does that look like for us? Well, as a church, we are already doing a fairly significant thing in outworking the mandate to care for the poor. I'd imagine that quite a few of us individually support other people, charities, other things where we are caring for those um, and demonstrating that Christ-likeness in the communities around us. But, you know, we, we have this wonderful place, this wonderful building, and I'm excited to see what God wants to use this building for when it comes to being a witness to those around us. You know, I'm encouraged when I go to Bowsize Court with Jean and the ladies' group and just see us connecting with um, some very people who are very lonely and lost and very, um, you know, need God. And we're able to shine a light in that place, and it's a real blessing. I went to visit one of the residents who's in hospital at St. Helier this week, and, um, you know, her name is Jackie, and she's a lovely lady, but she's very, very lonely. And I was the only visitor that she had the whole time she was up there. And it breaks my heart, it breaks God's heart, that there are people in this nation who don't see anybody from one week to the next. We've, as a church and as community works, working with community works, we've got a few people in church that are looking to develop the befriending service where we will go into people's homes, we'll go into the community, we're working with Age UK, and we would spend time with unable to get out. If you want to know more about that, Christine would be the person to talk to. The homeless outreach that Rachel Ingram is involved with, and I know a number of people here, it's a great opportunity to go into London to share what we have with people around us. Even the IT course that we've started in the back here, we've got four people coming 
And it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. One of the ladies, in fact, has already bought a ticket to our comedy night. I mean, isn't that great that she wants to come? And she's she's the first person that's bought a ticket. She's only just met us. She obviously likes a good joke. So what, I encourage you, what are you doing personally where you are stepping out? As James encourages us here, that you know, re- true um, religion or worship, another interpretation of that word is worship. You know, true worship, looking after orphans, caring for widows in dis- and those in, the- in distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, can I ask the band to come up?